Invasion of the Body Snatchers is one of the seminal science fiction films of the 1950s. It's been remade numerous times and who knows just how many TV shows have done a Body Snatchers episode. But today, let's discuss the original 50s classic and see how well it holds up. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we've watched the movie and we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And coming up on today's show, we have a vote winner every month at patreon.com slash TV, where patrons can vote on a movie and they voted for Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which beat two other... 50s movies that have also been remade it was a kind of a convoluted theme to be honest <laughs> but invasion of the body snatchers uh, the 1956 original version is what we're talking about so uh that is what we're going to get into today we'll start spoiler free as we always do we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers so without further ado we'll get into it the premise is simple people are being replaced by something else and <laughs> there's uh, mystery and stuff we'll get into it uh but yes classic 50 sci-fi uh which i have you seen this version before I, I don't know if you have yeah i've seen this version before okay all right uh well so so have i so this, this was not a first time watch for either of us so uh we'll get into it it had been a while but i definitely remember watching it Do you know it hadn't been that long for me i think i watched this and talked to connor about it like maybe like six or seven years ago which is i mean it's a while now but it's not that long compared to some of the other movies we do on here where i'm like i've not watched this in 15 years yeah i'm talking like 20 plus years yeah for sure yeah so uh well so you're saying it's longer than the gap between this and the remake yes which was 22 years for the record (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i was probably like early teens when i saw this just like on the couch on a saturday oh this is on i'll watch it that sounds plausible it's just that's the funny thing is that these older movies like they're very tame by like modern like censorship standards so you can you tend to be able to put them on in the afternoon without any complaints yeah you wouldn't have to like have hbo or something else to to watch it either you could watch it on just regular movie channels they tend to play a lot of black and white films when i was a kid anyway yeah i think that I mean, part of it's because they're cheap, probably, but I think part of it's also because they don't have to worry about editing them or muting anything or yeah, and like that, because it comes from a very conservative time, uh, which <laughs> is actually relevant for the topic of the film, which we'll get into, probably in spoilers, I imagine, when we're talking about uh, more in-depth parts of it, but yeah, all right, well, it's been a while, you watched it again, how did you feel about it? I really like it. I think this... Uh movie is really well directed it feels like a really long episode of the twilight zone but in a good way um i sort of hate the bookends of the film um Mm. i think it just you know i i did read in the trivia i didn't read the trivia i just read like you know when you scroll down imdb and it says trivia and there's one thing there yeah (laughs) it says that this was added by the producers uh um, not, not a shot not a shot so yeah. just just for a reference here what, what tara's talking about is that the the movie is basically it's got a little bit of narration and it sort of starts with like the main character sort of looking crazy and he's telling the story of what's happened and then uh, it goes 
basically one week ago um and then it ends with a little bit at the end of like him at the end of the story which so it's not a spoiler because he's clearly telling the story from the start of the movie so you know we're going to come back to it eventually but uh yeah so i mean it kind of works because uh, i don't know that there are really any other scenes where he's not in them you know because even when we leave characters alone for a while that aren't him um we get it only from his perspective really so it, it does work if you want to say that that's he's telling the story i don't think it really breaks the rules yeah I, I don't think it really matters i, I think i, I think i would have preferred a different ending <laughs> i don't think it really matters and i mean that as a criticism in the sense that i don't think it adds anything to the movie i don't think it really takes anything away either the narration um but i will agree that the the very last like 60 seconds i think feels tacked on and just kind of uh, you you kind of expect Rod Serling to start talking at any moment. <laughs> well, no, I've got I've got a particular problem though with just the last like thirty seconds and just like how it quickly neatly wraps everything up in a way that feels like the movie wasn't going that direction the entire time. Definitely um, not. Yeah. But um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to start with like what is basically my only real negative to be honest because I think the movie's very good. Uh, otherwise. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I actually, I really love the two leads in this. I like their characters just in general. I think they're really good, likable people. And I like that they're both divorced adults in like the 50s and we're watching like their romance. You don't really see stuff like that in the in the 50s because, you know, it breaks the idea of the nuclear family and everything. So perfect. <laughs> that perfect uh, Hays Code image. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. That's quite unique. Um no, I, I think the movie is very well paid. I think it's very tightly directed. It's 80 minutes, which isn't unnatural for the time period, but I do think it uses its time very wisely. Nothing about it feels rushed to me. I think it starts planting the seeds, no pun intended, uh, mm-hmm. at the start of the movie and <laughs> builds upon it in a natural pace. And then when stuff starts popping off later and we actually start getting the payoff to things, I, I, like not, nothing about it, uh, feel because i think see when you watch a lot of movies that are just from before this time period that are like 70 minutes and i say this having watched one last night is i feel like even though you expect that to be okay because they wrote a movie that was supposed to be 70 minutes a lot of them actually feel like no they really should be like 90 100 minutes but they just get to the 70 minute mark and quickly end <laughs> like and i feel like a lot of them feel that way uh this doesn't have that um and the funny thing is is that the the, the little tacked on bit at the end that kind of feels abrupt it only feels abrupt because that little bit's tacked on if it just ended without the bookend part it would actually end completely natural and fine and wouldn't feel weird at all so yeah and we didn't have to start with him like you know we we see him a man who's been through a lot of stuff uh, we don't know what that is yet until he starts telling but, the story uh, but yeah. like it would have been fine if you just progressed the story as it was in the film yeah, and we can talk about what it does when we get to spoilers, but for the most part, I, I don't even want to glo- uh, like focus on it much because, honestly, I always forget these bookends because they're so not the memorable part of this movie. They're, yeah. they're, they are not that big of a deal because they just don't stick in your memory. All of the actual main story is what you actually remember from the film, and that's the stuff that's good from start to finish. And yeah, has moments of tension, it has moments very, of good direction, all that stuff. It's very creepy, just... Uh, you know, the idea of it is so good. I know it was adapted from a book, but, like, the, the, the concept is really frightening, and it feels very Twilight Zone or very, like, um, 
you know, something is, it might be re replacing people. And it's like, well, <laughs> are, are you next kind of a deal? Like everyone's afraid to, to go to sleep and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's the idea of like, um, feeling like you're, you're temporary. Like you, I don't know the existential crisis that you go through. Like I could, you know, be gone tomorrow or like, and like nobody will care or fall into some sort of like, um, I don't know, like, um, there's a lot of parallels to other things. I mean, I'm sure like communism is a big one in this cause it's the time of that. Um, but also maybe like fear of space and like, you know, space travel, all the space stuff was, was happening at this time, or at least to talk about it. Right. And so maybe people were having fears of that nuclear power. Who knows? It's 50s, though. Like, all the big stuff in science and science fiction was um, well, no, popping I, off at that time. I actually have a lot of things to say about this uh, in terms of what the movie's actually about, because there's a lot of interesting, like, discussion about it, in, in the sense of, like, w how much of it's intentional, how much of it uh, is just kind of there because it's of its time and because it naturally just fits into those things. And there's good there's like people involved with the film who claim there was never any subtext intended about anything it was just supposed to be a fun science fiction thriller um the director on the other hand acknowledges that there's clear things that you can parallel it to but even to him when he was making the movie he intentionally didn't try to emphasize any of it because it wasn't meant to be the point you know i wasn't sure but there was one line in the movie where i was like okay that sounds like a like a communist thing about like losing individuality and i was like well that seems very much of his time and it's awfully coincidental that line is in there but i do think it is a love story first sure sure but no, to stay on the like what, what it's about though because there's a lot of like conflicting opinions on this because it can be read very extremely in two different ways it can be read like what you've brought up already which is that this is a movie about the fear of communism infecting america and like it's slowly taken over and all that stuff right that's there the other thing that's there though is the opposite because that's a very right side thing that's a right leaning fear that this movie yeah, would be about a lot of you know stuff in that time was you know propagating that <laughs> no of course of course but the, the other side of it though which is a bit more left-leaning um is the idea that it's actually more of a fear of mccarthyism and that it's about conforming to the acceptable standard that society has and this obviously extended from the fear of communism at the time which is that if you see anyone acting different or weird or suspicious you maybe should report them or you know that kind of thing um yeah. so this when, movie like, blacklisted and stuff like that yeah in fact who were blacklisted. in fact one of the people involved in this film was a writer who was blacklisted in hollywood because any writer who was even like someone even claimed at one point they might be have ties to communism they'd be blacklisted right so the, the movie has a lot of things that you can clearly fit into that mold as well which is that this is about a, a fear of conformity and n effectively either way you're talking about the self the loss of self uh independence and like your own character and your own um what's the word i'm looking for your your own uh individuality thank you it only took <laughs> it only took like three minutes to, for the word to come out 
You gotta say, help me, Tara, help me. But it's, you don't, it's like, I stopped trying to think of the word and I just got annoyed that you were staring at me without even suggesting. Even if it was a dumb <laughs> suggestion, you didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell would we just say something, anything? <laughs> I'm not you'll waiting. Get there, just, just work at it. No, I, I shifted to annoyance. <laughs> anyway, yes, it's, it's the fear of the loss of individuality and the idea. And that's something that would come up a lot in this time period, even something that's over a decade later, like Night of the Living Dead, where it's definitely 100% intentional, is that the zombies represent this, uh, like, the mass of conformity and conforming to what the the status quo wants you to be. Uh, this movie it naturally can be applied to it um and if you want to read it more of a fear of communism you can i think the the, the opposite about this being a fear of america itself expecting everyone to be what they view as the you know and this this kind of fits into the 50s as well this idea of like everyone has to have the white picket fence and everyone has to be the what we consider to be the the, the correct kind of american like that that like fits a bit more for me and i don't know if that's just because i am inherently going to lean more to the left interpretation because that's kind of where i side with more generally but i think it is a more interesting idea that it's the it's you know like society itself having these expectations of you and try to make you fit into them uh and it's seeping through but if you want well, to use it as communism think, it works as well i mean you you can't i mean i said communism sure but like eh mccarthyism worked just as well and it's probably more correct because this is a hollywood movie so it makes more sense that it would be more on that side but it just seems like everything from that time is fear of communism but i mean also just i mean what i already mentioned with the the two leads being both divorcees and like you know finding love again a love story between two divorced adults it's not really something you see in the well, 50s I, film i think that especially does, the woman being divorced also that does feel i guess progressive for lack of a better word for the time which makes me lean towards again the left interpretation yeah. of what the movie is yeah uh, that's why i brought it up yeah i i think i think that makes some sense and there's other little things in there as well that, that kind of feel a little bit ahead of its time and how it's like dealing with its characters but that said there's also very definitely 1950s tropes like characters are like oddly nice to each other in this small town in a way that just feels like a movie and not real life but that's just of its time yeah or like even like okay you should probably call the cops and they're like why don't we wait till the morning and then we'll report this like um (laughs) it seems like the real world that would be problematic if you waited a whole day to report like a possible yeah. dead body or something <laughs> yeah there would probably be I don't know, obstruction of justice or something like that would probably throw it at you yeah so like why'd you hold on to this for a day or <laughs> uh, just to see if anything interesting happened <laughs> wouldn't you know it we'll, we'll talk about that in spoilers yeah <laughs> uh yeah no i, I mean like th- there's definitely things like so i mean like anything it's, it's, it's the same with watching original star trek and or even twilight zone right there's a lot of things and those are from like the get it, 50s get it, the 60s and later 60s for star trek is that for as progressive those things are and you can look back and recognize the progressive elements um there's also a lot of stuff that's still very dated because by today's standards it's not that progressive but obviously very progressive for the time period and i yeah. think we and understand, though, yeah. And I think this movie is, like, kind of a similar lines without, much like the director and, like, multiple creators of the movie have said, they weren't going for this ultra, like, 
political commentary of a film, even though in hindsight we are all like analyzing it like that, which I think happens for a couple of reasons. But even without all that, the fact that there is these little things in there that make it feel like it is a bit progressive, even if they're not trying to make a statement with their pro- progressiveness, just kind of like does make it stand out to other movies from the time period. Mm-hmm. And I think even if like there's not a shred of anything intentional, although again, the director did seem to acknowledge in an interview uh, towards the year 2000-ish, I think this interview was from, that he wasn't trying to emphasize it, but he recognized that the, the comparison to McCarthyism would be there. Like people would be able to talk about it and bring it up. I Sounds do think- to me like Tolkien when he ta- when he says the Lord of the Rings was not influenced by World War One. You're like, but there's just so many parallels, and you were in it, and you saw your brethren die. So like, uh, oh yeah, he's full of shit. It's there, <laughs> or he was full of shit. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, no, I think the the even if it's not intentional, right? Let's just say it isn't, right? It doesn't matter to an extent if it's intentional or not, right? Obviously, you can read the text a little bit differently in that sense. The text being the movie in this case, mm-hmm. but. The thing about, and this is, this is something that comes up with horror movies a lot, is that if you look at trends of horror movies, even if the horror movies individually aren't necessarily trying to be about something or have a subtext or have some sort of political statement, if you look at like a decade of horror, you can kind of like tell which decade it comes from sometimes just because, oh, there was a trend of this type of movie because the general this fear is what at the time. Feared. Yeah. yeah. So in a similar vein, even if this wasn't intentionally going for uh, these particular things i think that that core fear of the movie which is the the loss of the individuality like regardless of like how you interpret like what political like thing causes that the fact that Mm -hmm. that's what the core fear is the reason why that probably even appealed to the filmmakers to make a story about it is because it's what everyone was feeling at the time even if they didn't sit down and say hey everyone's feeling this because of this thing and we're going to make a movie about that the fact that it just struck a chord and says oh that's a cool fear to make a movie about is still inspired by the fact that the political landscape of the world or the country, whatever, is still influencing them, even if they're not actively making a movie about it. I wonder if it's also talking a, a bit about the Hays Code. I know it's like the one thing I know from movie history, so I always bring it up. But there is a little bit of like, we can't make the stories that we want to make or the love stories we want to tell because there are all these restrictions. I mean, there's a moment in this film where I'm like, things are getting pretty hot for this movie at this time. And it definitely implies that they like sleep together. And it's, <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like a lot more than you would get um, in other films from this time. Cause you'd have to be so careful, but maybe because it's a genre science fiction film, uh, they had to, you know, they still had to dance around things, but like, I don't know. It just seemed like a bit steamier. And then like other romance stories you see at the time where they the, you know the dialogue is all um uh, their, their flirtation doesn't feel real where in this one it does uh that you i mean that, that's a fair ob- observation but on the first part of it about like movies not been allowed to talk about certain things um like that that is that was very true you bring up the haze code i don't know if that's a specifically haze code but there was certainly a thing at the time where in the 50s and i think maybe the, the 40s as well there was such a fear of actually doing movies about anything political because they basically didn't want to like influence anything. You know, there was kind of a strict thing from the studios where they don't outright talk about a lot of things. Outside of a very specific few examples where the movie would literally be about communists or something, they wouldn't bring it up. They wouldn't want movies to be about those topics and actually have a statement to make. Right? They would basically try and make everything kind of like today, like everything. You know, like when we're talking about like mainstream Hollywood and like 
oh, all these big franchise movies have to just be like, you know, fun for everyone. So it has to have the right amount of humor, all that stuff. This is almost like the 1950s version of that. But as you say, the way around it was subtext and it was science fiction and horror and, and genre movies like that where, okay, but if you have aliens that stand in for the thing that we're talking about, then all of a sudden yeah. we can get around it and, and do a movie about the thing without actually saying the thing. Uh, so Yeah, totally. That said, though, the writer, the producer... The director, the lead actor on this movie have all said that none of the political commentary was intended. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, this was me looking into it a little bit earlier. I was looking just to see what, what people said about it. And like, uh, very quickly, it was like, no, they've all denied that this was like intentional. But everyone analyzes it and talks about it. Everyone brings it up. <laughs> and even if, even if they're completely right, the idea that it's so thick with this stuff, despite not being intentional, allegedly then it's just a great example of how some work ends up being like just covered in subtext even if it wasn't an intentional thing by the creators yeah i mean even all the the sequels that i've seen also have like the same kind of message so it's it's like clearly they want to remake it because they want to make a political statement about the the current times i mean remakes right you said sequels yeah remakes uh yeah other adaptations of the book and stuff like that, that's like the thing they want to do. They were like, well, we have another time. There's Vietnam or whatever is happening. <laughs> I don't know. The war on terror. Let's make a new version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I don't know if the writer of the book is quoted as saying he didn't intend any subtext. But, I mean, maybe it's the sort of thing where it was just in the book. It would just the... be easy, right? Yeah. But maybe what I'm saying is maybe it's just in the book and therefore adapting it. Without... Unless you're changing so much that you're gutting it. You you just you get the subtext by default because you're adapting the story, so you get it. Uh, Maybe, but the, but there's so there's so much in there though that feels like just little moments with how they react to things, or um like when when it becomes kind of like every it's us against everyone else, and everyone's like a part of the system, and we are the outsiders now. Like there's so much of it that still just feels like it fits all the subtext that you you want to like throw at it. And, mm-hmm. But it does raise an interesting conversation about the intention of creators and whether or not that even matters if the story still lends itself uh, to the subtext or to a reading like that. I guess that's the beauty of art in some ways. Um, I mean, it's not, obviously it's not an adaptation, but it also really reminds me of The Stepford Wives, which we did a couple of years ago, and I love that film. I mean, that movie's definitely intentionally political, though. Yeah. Oh, totally. And also based <laughs> off of a book. I don't know if, how old the book is. Probably around the time that the movie came out. Yeah. Based on the subject matter, but that also kind of feels like <clears throat> this is a precursor for it. Yeah. I. It's it's one of those things where, like, if it feels cruel to say it doesn't matter if they intended it or not. Tough. Your movie has this in it, so this is what we're going to focus on. But yeah. let's be honest here. <laughs> it makes the movie really good. Like, I mean. It's an effect, even on a surface level, don't get me wrong, it's an effective sci-fi horror movie with creepy moments, a good threat, a nice bit of tension, and as you say, two, you know, likable leads who have good chemistry, um, and that's all fine. Uh, Like, but it also has this that elevates it and makes it even better because it has all this extra juice to it. (laughs) And, you know, I don't don't know. Uh, So, you know, uh, tough. (laughs) Yeah. So, 
basically that's all to say i i acknowledge that some of the creators insist that they didn't intend any of the subtext but it doesn't matter we're going to talk about it anyway <laughs> it's absolutely still there it, it's hard to watch it and not leave going yeah that was in i don't know that felt intentional especially there's like one like the one line well, I, I bring on i bring out earlier well, but I, this it was is like it seemed really on the nose no but this is the thing like I, I would never have thought watching the movie oh this seems intentional because i would never have doubted that it was intentional I, the only reason yeah. why we're even having this conversation is because i've looked it up because you brought it yeah, yeah you brought it up. because all these all these people involved have said ah no nah, we weren't aware of any like political commentary when we were making this movie <laughs> Maybe they're just sticking to the lie, you know? Like, they had to say it early on to well, get the movie made, and they're they just sticking scared, to it. Are they scared the studio from 1956, which probably doesn't even exist anymore, is going to come after them with the hitmen? Maybe they're afraid of their credibility. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I, I mean, a lot I of mean, them the must... lead actor did live a long time. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy's in a bunch of other stuff. I mean, we've not done it yet, but we will one day do Inner Space, which he's in. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah. I, I've seen that movie many times, actually. It played a lot on TV when I was a kid. Yeah. It's really uh, funny. He also does have a cameo in the in the 70s remake, which we obviously will get to in the not-too-distant future. So And he was in an episode of Twilight Zone we watched. Of the course. One about the course. man who was who never dies. Yeah. And he was like a, he's in the history book, but he's also a teacher or something, a history teacher. I'll take your word for Walter it. Walter Jameson. I, I don't remember it well enough to... Long live Walter Jameson. And he was... He's in... The Twilight Zone movie, which we haven't done yet. Uh -huh. Well, here's a bit of trivia for you uh, that, I, that I did see. I don't usually go looking for trivia, but I, I was looking for analysis to back up some, you know, subtext thoughts and things like that. And I mm -hmm. found a bit of trivia that was too borderline problematic, but also really funny. <laughs> uh oh. So while they were making this movie, so yeah, so we obviously we've not talked too much about the premise yet, but obviously. You know, people are being replaced by, you know, something, right? Uh, and there's these pods that are involved in that process. Um, during the shooting of this movie, the director, Don Siegel, <laughs> broke in to uh, Dana Winter, the actress who plays the female lead, Becky, broke into her house, or wherever she was staying, and put one of the props of the pods under her bed so that when she woke up the next day she saw a pod under her bed and it scared the living shit out of her it probably scared her because she's like holy shit who the hell broke into my house to put this movie prop here not because she actually thought she was getting body snatched I know, she's not an idiot it's such an insane i mean i is i i have to assume but i have to assume that they were close enough that he did not think this was like a huge like stepping over our line or whatever i hope i hope that's the case yeah, yeah. I, I i i hope they were close enough that she, after hitting them a couple of times she laughed about it but well, uh, you know <laughs> wild unbelievable yeah. poor women it's, it's a <laughs> uh, i mean it's, it's it's just a criminal prank effectively but you know so yeah i don't like pranks nor, nor do I, really, to be honest. <laughs> nor do I. I just, I think on some demented level, I do like the idea of a director trying to convince their actor that they're actually, like, the victim of the plot of the movie. <laughs> like, in, in some sort of weird... It's, it, well, maybe not if it's like a super realistic thing, but when it's something, like, you know, obviously fake. It's obviously science fiction. Yeah. 
I think that's quite funny, but not not to the level where I condone breaking into someone's house. I do have questions about how the pods work when we get into spoilers, though. Oh sure, we could we could talk about pods and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the cast. I mean, obviously we're kind of d- dipping into this now. Uh, so Kevin McCarthy is the likable leading man. Uh, he's very good. He kind of overcomes the generic you know leading man of the 50s quality uh i think he has enough he's got a great chin he's got a chin he's got a bit of charisma um his flirtations with uh, becky played by dana winter are pretty solid there was like a moment like because they've all stayed in the same house at one point in the movie and when she's making breakfast he comes over for a kiss and she sort of like stops him and kind of like a jokey way and says no go get eggs or something like that and it's just like you say there's still a little bit of a like there's a, an implication a few times in this movie that he really wants to have sex with her and i feel mm-hmm. like movies in this time period tend to dance around that a little bit more than maybe what, what this was doing or the ver- i don't know like, like you say yeah, it just you're used more to like the you know the wind sweeping through the hair and like the you know the the big the big romantic gestures that are like way too much for reality but for like a romantic fantasy you know, they, they work fine. This feels very real and raw and like they've had feelings for each other forever and now there's an opportunity to get back together. And it, they, they're both into it. And I don't know, it just feels like a real relationship that's, you know, that, that's hot. Like they're clearly really into each other. Barring maybe a little more awkwardness when they first bump into each other, just because they're supposed to, you know, they were college. Like, well, yeah. And couples as far as he knows, she's still married. Yeah, uh, but it feels like they're all to smiley at each other immediately. Like it's almost like they skipped the part where they awkwardly realize, oh wait, we're both single now. Oh, wait, wait, oh, oh, oh. yeah. He so, can't resist. Too carnal. Yeah, uh, there's also uh, Jack, who's like a relatively prominent character in this. So there's a couple as well that get they end up teaming up with for a, a chunk of the movie. Um, I'm only mentioning him because he sounds like. Uh, Bob Kane, who created Batman, he's got the exact same voice. It was really throwing me for a loop. <laughs> I thought he had a bit of a Jack Klugman vibe, but... Oh, I could see that too. I could see that too. <laughs> but the, the, the voice sounded a lot like Bob. I don't know if that's like a specific part of New York or something, that accent or what, but... His wife I recognize as Morticia Adams from the Adams Family TV show. Oh, really? Okay. She's she's blonde in this, though, normally, you know, in the show, she's got the long, straight Morticia yeah, Adams I, hair. I've never seen the original adam's family tv show so i would never have uh clocked her it's quite funny it's a good show i'm not sure it spawned many things mm-hmm. uh, so hell is a adam's family tv show currently you know between seasons one and two i mean it's only on wednesday but still part of its legacy oh oh yeah the wednesday i haven't watched it i saw the first episode i haven't watched any of the modern adam's family stuff <laughs> Well, have you not seen only, the movies? Only the 90s movies. Yeah, I was going to say, you've seen the 90s movies, surely. Well, I mean, like, modern as in right now, yeah. not modern since we were born. Oh, yeah, but I mean, relative to the original show in, the, like, the, what, 50s or whatever. <laughs> like, the 90s this is still is pretty like modern. This like, the third iteration of Adam's yeah. Family. Uh, yeah. Well, they had the animated one a few years ago, so fourth, technically? Well, that's, I'm including that. I haven't oh, okay. seen that. Okay. And I think they made two movies, but I heard they were just terrible. Yeah, I didn't hear many. I didn't hear anything about them really. So yeah, I assume they're at least forgettable, if not bad. It's too bad. 
I would have seen it if they had any kind of good buzz, but they didn't. <laughs> it's so sad. Raul Julia, like he was so good in those two He's movies. He's the best Gomez. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, so, no, uh, cast is cast is good. Uh, I think the there, one one of the things as well that I I I saw when I was looking about for like comments from the director and stuff uh, is apparently like the director kind of went out of his way to make sure that the special effects department from the studio or whatever never got involved because he didn't want it to be like a fifties monster movie with a goofy like suits or anything like that. So is everything that's you know that's a prop or a prosthetic or something like that is it's very low key you know you see pods you see some bodies but they're they're kind of just like off to the side so they're all more creepier because they're kind of just like normal and they're just there as opposed to you know it'd be very easy to have like oh before they're like humans they look kind of monstrous and have like goofy like bits to them or something you know it could be it would be very easy to do (laughs) they're like a they're like a plant that's uh (laughs) more that's growing it's just a tree and then they the tree becomes a human yeah so you know i think that adds a lot i think that decision to try and keep it like grounded there's one moment where like um someone is attacking like one of the growing things and i'm like ooh, that's pretty like i thought that was actually a very good special effect because you see like Mm. the thing go into it i'm like oh i don't know like i I thought actually the special effects in this are pretty good you know because they have like versions of people that aren't quite complete Oh yeah, I'm not saying the ones that are there are not good, but I'm saying that like there there was almost like a, he had to like go out of his way to stop there being more. Like he he tried to keep it as minimal as possible. I mean, you think the studio would be okay with that because it's not going to cost them any money. <laughs> no, nah, because they, they they associate success, especially when you're doing science fiction B movies, as like oh we have to have some big stupid monster, and that's why people go and see yeah. it in the drive through kind of thing. So. You know, it's it's one of those things where it's like the studio, like you know, thinking they know better than the creative mind, and and sometimes they can. Well, but I think honestly, like I think the title is so good because like the 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 title will get butts and seats, you know, oh, especially yeah, yeah. for fifties drive-in invasion of the body snatchers. Invasion already kind of implies aliens, and then body snatchers like Ooh. it's a horror movie and a sci-fi movie by aliens. Like, let's go. Let's go make out in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, the director that's went on to do Dirty Harry, which is a very good film. Uh, he also did Escape from Alcatraz, also with Clint Eastwood, which I've not seen yet, but it's kind of been on my to-do list for a long time. Uh, so he's, he's done, he's went on to do some proper, you know, well-remembered I think the movies. direction is quite strong in a lot of the scenes. There's some real creepy, um, you know, segments and just good lighting effects and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. All, especially... the, all the night looks good, too, because normally, like, a lot of night scenes, you know, you just have random spotlights everywhere. You're like, I, I don't, this doesn't look good. Or it looks like you're in, a, like, a dark stage with some fake potted plants around you. <laughs> but I think all the night shots actually look good, and it looks like they're outside at night. Yeah, it seems like they're shooting on location for a lot of it. But, yeah, there's a lot of the creepier moments where he'll, like, unlike some directors, he'll just throw Dutch angles everywhere. Uh, regardless of the There are the scene. some in this. Well, the, the, the point I was about to make, <laughs> if you let me finish my sentence, was that unlike some directors who just throw Dutch angles around, he only does them at certain key moments. So that they, like, 
the world feels weird because someone's just seen something otherworldly. So you get a Dutch angle of that person's reaction and it makes you... It, it accents, like, the weirdness and the, like, oh, something's not quite right here. Uh, so that's what I was trying to say, yes. I know there's some Dutch angles. That was my point. <laughs> they're, they're utilized well. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you got to your point. No thanks to you. <laughs> what are you talking about? I got you there faster. No, you didn't. You, you, you slowed things to a halt. That's what I'm here for. Bloody hell. Um, so, no. No, the direction's really good. I I think the, the, the movie does feel, even though it's a low-budget movie, it, I think the budget I read earlier was $380,000, which even at the time it was made is, is pretty low. Um, so, like... I think that money's put to good use for by shooting on location, by keeping the special effects to the absolute bare minimum. It like it always feels like relatively high quality and it feels like a movie. It doesn't feel you know, as much as you're saying it feels like it could be a long episode of the Twilight Zone, I think that just comes down to it's a sci fi movie in the fifties, it's black and white. <laughs> I feel like Honestly, a lot of- I think the bookended parts also make it feel a little bit cheaper and like it would be a, a Twilight Zone intro and end of point. Well, forget, but forget those, though. The rest of the movie is, doesn't yeah. feel that way, though. Agreed. So, uh, no, it's very good. So I, I think we'll get into the spoilers then so we can talk about everything uh, at this point. So like we said, there's a intro where you see him like, all crazy. The Dr. Ben, all his name is, uh, or just Miles. I guess we'll go with Miles. That's easier. Uh, hmm. no? no, I think it's Star Trek. Who's, who's, who's <laughs> Miles in Star Trek? Miles O'Brien. <laughs> when was the last time you watched Deep Space Nine? <laughs> he's always O'Brien. He's all, he's 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 uh, <laughs> techie engineer O'Brien. Okay. Mm-hmm. Transporter chief extraordinaire. Yeah. Uh, well, he's not transporter <laughs> chief in Deep Space Nine. He's uh. He's he's got promoted to handyman. Maintenance. He, <laughs> he runs the ship. He like he's like yeah he's like he's still a chief. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh something chief. Anyway, so. He he's all crazy saying listen to me listen to me like you, you're gonna have to believe me um and i think that probably the biggest sign of how tacked on this stuff is and probably the narration in general but there's like when it goes to the footage of the main story and he's narrating his narrator voice sounds like really calm it's like he's just in a booth telling a story to someone he does not sound like the crazy man who was just yelling about you have to listen to me like just mm-hmm. seconds before so uh so like honestly yeah most of my complaints just come from like the this opening and ending that has been tacked on that you know to make it more like i guess mainstream friendly i guess i guess this also feels like the twilight zone part to me too where everything's just like okay we're gonna get a bunch of doctors Mm. in a set and we're gonna film them like saying oh this man's clearly crazy (laughs) i don't know like that this part feels the most twilight zone as in it feels cheap Sure, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, the movie is actually quite cheap, relatively speaking. But it, it, it uses its budget very well, so... Yeah, but, it, like, it looks like a real town and, like, yeah. everything's shot, like, on site when, when you go to the doodaloo 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 flashback. Yeah. Is it a real town? No. I mean, it looks like... It doesn't look like the Universal backlot. No, no, I, no, I, I, no I, it, it does look like it's shot in a real town. What I mean is, is the town that they're calling it, is, is that a real place? 
I don't think so. Yeah, it, it sounds like, like Santa Santa Mira or yeah. something. It sounds made up. Um, sounds like a. It definitely is supposed to be California, but it, I don't think it's a real one. Yeah, it sounds like a, it's a it's a Sunnydale style. Where it's, yeah, we're in the state, but we've got our own little made up town just for the sake of the plot, uh, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't think so. I've uh, been to a lot of Southern California due to my job, and I don't think that it's a real place. Yeah. Watch out for the pods if you do ever end up <laughs> in this place. Um, so, yeah, so the movie right away, though, sets up this idea that some of the locals have been wanting to see him because he's a town doctor. He's just getting back from, it's not vacation. He was doing like a seminar or something like that. And But he's back in town and there's like a list of people who wanted to see him. And right away, it sets up this idea that some people are scared of their relatives because they don't think they're quite them anymore. And the first time you see it, it's a child who doesn't think his mother's really his mother. So you sort of write it off as, ah, oh, it's just a, it's a dumb kid. <laughs> he's, he's being a kid. So even he, the character, writes it off as, oh, kids being awkward and whatever, right? It doesn't... But then, it's, but then of course, uh, the love interest, Becky, you know, when he bumps into her and they have their sweet, like, reunion, she just casually mentions that her cousin's freaked out because she doesn't think that uh her, her uncle or her father becky's father her uncle you know what i mean like the um yeah like he isn't him right even though he looks like him he has all the memories this is a plot point that's brought up early on is that he does seem to have all the knowledge of the person mm-hmm. but there's something about him that's just not quite right like he's he's the first one that we actually see also in in theory unless there's others that are in the background but like because the kid is with like the grandma so she's acting like a normal person. We don't really get we don't get to see the mom, right? I, I actually th- I thought that was the mother, but you may be right. Maybe the grandmother. I, I don't remember. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was the grandma. It's like the grandmother definitely. Well, it's the grandmother definitely later because that's who he goes to stay with for the night when he when mm-hmm. they eventually bring him into the doctor and he's like freaking out. He doesn't want to go back to his mother. But I thought that scene at the start where he almost runs over him. And he says, what's wrong with him? He says, oh, he's just, he doesn't want to go to school. I thought that was the mother. Mm. I just assumed like, oh, he doesn't want to go to school because maybe there's pods at school. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't want to go to like public areas where there's a lot of like, you know, schools had nap times. No, I think you're reading into it too much. I, I think it's just that's her excuse for why he's running away. It's the, like, I don't think mm. the people in the town know the specifics enough yet. They're just scared of people who seem off. Okay, okay. You know, it's not everyone, you know, it's just like... Like, obviously it happens very quickly, because it's like only a few nights before we're at the end of the movie, and like, the whole town's basically taken over and yeah and whatnot. But I, I think that I think that's just the mother making up an excuse for why he's freaking out, when in reality he's just scared of her, because she's... Oh, okay, okay, okay. So we get introduced to our Doctor character properly. We get introduced to Becky. Um, It sets up beforehand because he's talking to his nurse that, you know, oh, that Becky's back in town. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, that's interesting. And he's like, ah, but she's married. You know, I'm not going to, you know, get involved. I can't be doing with that. And we find out that she was living in London with her husband, presumably, for X number of years. Uh, so the, but they're both back in town and they end up uh, well they don't quite go to lunch like he, he invites her to lunch because he's about to go for lunch anyway um, but the other plot point that's brought up here is that a lot of these people who were like determined to see him like in the last couple of weeks when he was gone 
all of a sudden all of them are saying no no we don't need to see you we're fine like you know like i'm fine so the implication being that all these people are now pod people that they've all been taken over and they all feel fine now because <laughs> all their ailments have went away so that makes some sense no no it does pod people is just one of the names of my favorite mystery science theater episode what else would you s- s- say i should call them then <laughs> no no pod people is correct okay okay i just don't want a, a giggle every single time i see it mm-hmm. <laughs> like that exactly good example of what i don't want every two minutes <laughs> control yourself right, bad people bad people <laughs> um so yeah so like all this is set up um he he has to take her out though uh it's after he uh he comes over to see the cousin because because she tells him about her cousin who's scared about her, her dad not being him, and he comes to see her, and she's very adamant that he's like the the emotion's gone, that he's not quite himself, that there's something missing. It's not really him. Um, she can't quite put her finger on it exactly. Uh, the subject of stroke never comes up. Even uh, though he's outside working on the yard or whatever. I mean, he does look quite fine health wise. This this it's not like he's acting. You know, he's acting strange to her, but he's not acting strange in the sense that, oh, he looks like a fit man in the, for, for his age, doing, yeah. you know, lawn and work or whatever. He's Maintained fine. in the front of his house, yeah. Yeah, so so basically, he, he shrugs this off, but he, he can't help but obviously notice that that's two people now that have said, you know, the, between the kid and then her, there's two the people now that yeah. are saying someone is not who they are, right? Some Some close family member is not who they've always been. And it's kind of weird, and because they run in, because he invites her to dinner, right? So him and Becky are going for dinner, and they run into like a like a psychiatrist, and he's like, "Hey, I've got someone to send over," and the psychiatrist basically just guesses what it is. And he's like, "Wait, how the hell did you guess that?" He's like, <laughs> "Like on the nose." <laughs> well, it just so happens there's been like I don't know, twenty five cases of this exact same thing over the past week or so. Yeah, it made me giggle because I'm like, okay, so should you call like the CDC or something? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> There's a there's a pretty significant pattern here of people not acting like themselves, and it, he says it it appears to be contagious. Yeah, I mean maybe it's because we live through a pandemic, but <laughs> this feels like a. Well, very... I mean those guys did too. <laughs> <laughs> there's been more than one pandemic. Well, okay, I'm not I'm not ultra familiar on my recent pandemic related history. What what pandemic was in this time period? Uh, ooh, I don't want to get the name wrong, but there's one in, like the 1910s, right? Yeah, that's like that's like 45 years before this, though. Yeah, but these men were ancient. They're all old. <laughs> what, what that? They would have been kids probably when that happened. <laughs> but yeah, so so they're, they're talking to these guys and they're like, okay, that's funny, that's weird, all all this is going on, blah blah, and they start their day. There's a little bit of a flirtation before they go in. There's like almost a kissy moment. Not quite yet, but they're getting there. There's some sparks. There's some sparks. Uh, but then there's a phone call at the restaurant for him. Small town, I guess. The doctor's at the restaurant. Call, call the restaurant for him. There's <laughs> actually... Um, the, the restaurant's completely empty. Except for the one guy that's work, that still works there. Yeah, and they're apparently going to be open for a while because he's like, oh, we'll be back later for dinner uh, after I go see what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Which they never do, obviously, because they get into things. But um, I was like, how, how late is this restaurant open? What time is it just now even? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My concept of time's all off. And none of these are complaints or critiques. So this is just, you know, 
silly observations uh yeah overthinking it but uh but this is where the movie really kicks out of high gear because this is when he's called to this couple's house um which is jack and uh teddy uh teddy being short for theodora uh the wife uh so they go there and they called him and it's all dark and moody and there's like a it was like a tarp on a, on this on the pool table and they're like yeah i lift it and there's a body uh, it's like a sort of generic and they never do a close-up so clearly they didn't have like a good like prop to like convey exactly what they said here but what they say sounds quite creepy which is it's like a person but it's like the features aren't quite finished like you know it's like the the overall shape is there but some of the details there's no pores yeah there's like no that. yeah and but like everything's like perfect though yeah. and it, even the wife's like it looks kind of like you husband and i'm like yeah it looks a lot like you husband <laughs> and he's like nah just like anything like me <laughs> well yeah, she gets really specific cause she's like uh, she's like doctor how how tall would you say he is and he's like uh five ten give or take i was like how heavy would you say he is uh i don't know uh about 140 that's what my husband weighs and what <laughs> how tall he is so so she's she's the hairline out. and stuff i'm like and the nose because you see mm. from the profile and I'm like it looks a lot like you dude <laughs> it's, it's obviously based on him uh, yeah but so right away they're like shit what do we do with this and it's like well we should call the police but they check the fingerprints and like they're blank there's no fingerprints so again it's more evidence to suggest that this whatever it is whoever this is like they're not quite finished it's like a work in progress yeah it's um no one's like freaking out enough about it except for maybe the wife but i i think like okay maybe maybe it's because they really believe that this isn't a a real human being so there's no need to report it to the police but like even the doctor is like I suspect if I did an autopsy on him, I would find organs and they would be pristine. Like he, he thinks, I don't know, maybe it's like some lab experiment or something like, <laughs> like a cloning thing. I, I don't know exactly, but um, he seems to suspect that this is a working human being. So maybe they should call the police. Well, they, yeah, they eventually sort of say, okay, let's leave it till morning and see if anything happens. Let's see if it changes or, or whatever um and he goes off with becky to take her home blah 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 um the couple both fall asleep at the bar like i thought that was a like they're sitting on stools and like sleeping on the bar (laughs) well i got the impression they were keeping watch of the weird body and Mm -hmm. probably just passed out at some point but what one of my favorite moments of the movie is uh when it cuts back to them so so obviously the doctor and becky go and like he takes her home and whatever there's a couple of bits we'll bring up but it, it cuts back to them there's this great shot looking from like just past the face of the body looking over at her and the eyes start moving and it's mm-hmm. proper creepy it's like a proper horror movie moment yeah and then the wife uh like starts looking over at it and there's like a, this is where one of the first dutch angles comes in it's very dark and moody the lighting's very low-key like all of it just kind of presents this horror movie style moment and then the thing she notices that sets her off that makes her phone the doctor again is that the husband in the earlier scene when the doctor was there like he accidentally cut himself when he was making a drink and she Only noticed the fleshy part of the hand too yeah but she notices this cut forming on this this body so it's not just that it's mimicking him it's mimicking him exactly as he is right now it's not just like it's not like it's 
like if you were cloned and the clone was perfect and all your like if you had a scar that disappeared and all these sort of things no no it's actually creating the mm-hmm. faults as well it's creating the the wear and tear so it's exactly correct uh, that actually kind of subverted my expectation because you know when he cuts himself and he's bleeding from the hand they focus in on it so you're like okay so like He's going to get replaced and he's going to see there's no cut on the hand and he's going to be like, you're, oh, you're, you're not you. Yeah, you're thinking it's going to be a clue. Like later on, this is going to be a piece of evidence for us to yeah. know that something's changed. And instead, yeah, it subverts it by saying, no, 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 this is exactly happening. Like he's yeah, getting this Which is cut. even scarier that it's right up until the moment that this thing which, awakens is that it's it's copied you. Which actually begs some questions that the movie I don't think ever really gets into in this version is like how like one pod where the where this like fake like duplicate comes from like how they like connect to the person they're recreating and like how that link maintains and how it's established all that stuff like it's yeah i don't know i i i legit have no idea because like later on it seems to be different so i don't know if like the the way i imagined it is that this new version of you grows and replaces you so like the version of you dies whether it's by the hands of the pod person of you or or maybe it takes your soul i don't know and you die um but later on like it just takes a second for someone to fall asleep and they've been replaced but they don't have like a pod person there they just sort of become the replacement so i don't know exactly how this is supposed to work in this adaptation well no i don't think it's to become the pod person i i think the implication is always that the pod version has replaced the real version that was there before i think that's always an implication even if you don't see if anything the bigger question is is what happens to the real body we because we know from just soon after this where when there's the fake version of becky like in the basement and she's asleep and the doctor has to like drag her out the house because she can't wake up so it it seems that there is a period of time when they fall asleep where the consciousness is like copied and like deleted from the original person and that's what was happening to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on, there's this sort of almost Nightmare on Elm Street thing of we can't fall asleep because we might end up duplicated and replaced. Yeah. Um, but, like, the question is, though, is, like, would her body still be lying there? And if so, how are they, like, are they, is there some sort of, like, I feel like it glosses over that because that's probably too dark for a 50s movie for, like, to show these mass, like, scenes of, like, just tons of pails of bodies being burned or whatever is going on yeah. in the town. That's probably just too grim for this this era, so they probably Maybe just didn't want to talk about it. Fed into the soil, which will eventually grow more pod people. Maybe it disintegrates <laughs> or something once the uh, yeah, mine's I don't been know. taken. I don't know. That's, um, I was confused by it when we get the when we get it later on. Like, if you fall asleep, then that's the opportunity for the pod people to come in and copy you, and 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 you know, instead of you waking up, they wake up. But yeah, it's something that replaces you physically. But when we see later on it happened to somebody else, it doesn't seem to be the case, or at least it's not filmed in a way where I think no, that that I, happened. I, I, no, it still is. I think it still is happening. I think you just don't see it in camera. Like, I think okay. the body swapped out with the fake version. I don't think anything in the movie ever implies to me that it just teleports to like where the person was. Um, I... I, I the question just is, where did the original body go, effectively? But, it just it just didn't seem like they were asleep for long enough for that to happen. Yeah, well, to be fair, though, this character, in this case, Becky, that ha- this is right towards the end of the movie when this happens to her, she was already asleep earlier, and like the process had already like 
happened a lot so maybe it was just a case of it just needed to finish and that mm-hmm. was it maybe okay maybe i thought maybe she got stabbed also but um like the 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 earlier version of her that they find was like part of the the stabbing no. the, the stabbing yeah like the, the our lead takes a pitchfork to the versions of them that are growing uh, sh- oh sure but maybe it's not like maybe it doesn't have to connect to a specific one maybe it's like a like a network so because the mm-hmm. network's already like taken in like i guarantee this is not something they thought about at the time but this is something we can use modern <laughs> knowledge to explain it now is that it's more like a network of data that they have taken in our consciousness and all they have to do is finish it and just download it into their new body that's nearby okay that's all I've got for you, but... Yeah, they're very efficient, these uh, pod aliens. Look, if you want an honest answer, is that when this happens later on, and it feels like she's only been asleep for like a minute, because that's all, that's all it's been since he walked away from her and he comes back and she's switched, it's just, that's just a plot convenience, because it wants to have the scary moment where she's already switched, right? That yeah. That's the real answer to it. I'm just trying to use what the movie's given me to explain it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand, but like, I didn't... I didn't think at the time that it matched what had been shown earlier and i was just a little bit like oh i wonder how that worked but i for the storytelling sake it doesn't really matter too much it's more just the details of how the science fiction thing works and you know you like rules you get it no i do i do i don't think anything in the scene though actually suggests that that's just the original body been taken over though i, I think okay. i think you're jumping to that because it's so quick that you, you in your head it feels like it, it must be because mm-hmm. like how else did the duplicate get in there but well it's almost like when she wakes up she's she is acting like herself and she is holding him like she loves him and then we get the like he looks into her eyes and her eyes like suddenly go blank and you're like oh okay that's not her anymore so i don't know it does feel like all of a sudden she's changed no i didn't feel like that at all i i read it as she's just playing along but it's when he kisses her at the end where he realizes yeah. it's not her because he's not feeling the passion anymore. Mm. The kiss was the giveaway. Yeah. So so I, I I think it was just a case of this was just a duplicate now. But that's what made... Because you know, it's been set up the whole movie that the thing that's missing is the emotion, right? So it makes mm-hmm. sense that the kiss... which you know, And they've made a point of having these dramatic kisses a couple of times when they've been at their lowest points where they think they're going to die in the kiss and it's a big moment. So I think that's what that is. Uh, mm-hmm. that that's setting up that he's going to notice the difference later on when they kiss and he doesn't feel it anymore. He doesn't feel it coming from her. So that makes sense to me, I think. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. But that's at the end of the movie. That's your fault. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this is all very creepy. Doctor runs over... And he realizes at a certain point that, oh, it sounds like Becky's dad was already a pod person because he was working in the basement and it's all creepy. So he goes to their house and breaks in and finds a fake Becky in the, like, the freezer or whatever it is <laughs> in the basement. And that's when he grabs her and runs out of the house. Um, and so these two couples now, our main two characters and this other couple, end up sort of like being together and sort of like staking out and like staying at his house for like a couple of days. And everyone's kind of like, you know like he phones for help at one point because they actually try and convince him uh because because when they're looking i think i think it's around in her like they, they go to the police or whatever 
and they go back to where the body is and it's disappeared right the, you know the guy's body's disappeared and then they go to her basement and that fake body's disappeared and the cop just keeps like giving like reasons for why like this is all like nonsense i uh, oh he must have burned off his like his fingerprints with acid because he's a you know, criminal and he doesn't want to be caught and sure doesn't sound like we can trust the cop yeah and then another cop shows up and says yeah we've got a body in the coroners right now he's got no fingerprints and for like a minute that convinces our main character that okay maybe this has all just been some weird hallucination we can just move on with our lives and then he's having a barbecue with uh, the other couple and then they find the pods in the greenhouse and it's a pretty cool effect because they, they, they sort of like pour out of the pods and it's all bubbly <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like the, like they're being uh i don't know birth i guess yeah yeah totally but that's a fun time um yeah the 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 pitchfork to the like chest of the duplicate looks really good too like it because it does look like like the the lead actor yeah yeah no i mean they freak out appropriately i would say it's a good big you know moment where like all of a sudden like this has all been real and they're still trying to replace us we might be screwed mm-hmm. and then he tries phoning places and it's like the person on the phone the operator is also working against them and just lying about how they can't get through to anywhere and mm-hmm. it's like shit okay we have to just make a run for it and get out of the town uh so yeah it does it does do a good job of like filming the town to where it feels like it's a like a small town 50s americana or whatever yeah, it's, it's got the you know the, the town square that you see when he first comes mm-hmm. out of town because he works just on that square that's where his doctor's office says so you, you get a sense of him walking through it a couple times early on so yeah. a little bit but, later when him and becky are hiding in his doctor's office and it gets to the morning and they look outside and the entire townsfolk all just start walking towards each other and like have a meeting. Well, everything looks normal at first, and they even comment on that. Like everyone's just doing things like they normally would until someone says, "But it's only like quarter after seven, and like everybody's out," which is odd because that's pretty early for everybody to be out. And then when that happens, everyone's just like, "Yeah, it's, it's like they all have a hive mind," <laughs> and if suddenly. <laughs> have clicked in that they have to migrate to this one point yeah they all walk towards the town it's super square. creepy when it happens and the cop starts like asking them or basically giving it orders they've, they've got trucks with pods in them so they're going to different towns and it's spreading and it's like okay is this town where it all started and it, it does sound, sound like that actually but later on there's an explanation from um you know when when the doctor and becky are found in his office and like it turns out jack the other couple uh they've already been got right they've already turned and he shows up and it kind of sounds like yeah like this town was like any other a month ago it was violent everyone had their problems everything was awful and then these alien seeds came out the sky because there's a little bit of speculation earlier on where the doctor's like oh maybe it's aliens maybe it's an experiment maybe it's you know a, a mutation he goes through like a bunch of things it could be uh but it turns out it's alien seeds that were traveling through the cosmos and finally landed on earth and started to a nice ripe topsoil farmland <laughs> yes yes uh so like when they start talking about this they're like hey yeah we 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 like this this is great like once you're turned you you won't be mad you'll you'll be part of the the whole part of the society part of the group and now this is kind of like you know where the the conformity like subtext really starts to like come into it and Mm -hmm. this idea of like you want us to be part of your well-oiled machine rather than individuals and you know like 
uh, at one point they say, oh, you won't have any fear and you won't feel any emotions like love. And, of course, uh, Becky's like, no, I don't want to live in a world where I don't feel love. I want to love and feel fear and feel all these things. Which also even just brings in some other, like, science fiction ideas into my head. Like, you know, I start thinking about, you know, stuff like 1984 where it's like, you're not allowed to feel anything or or even more whatever, like, equilibrium. Equilibrium, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's literally like you know you dampening up equilibrium. <laughs> yeah, well, it's literally dampening the the emotions and shit. So, like, yeah, you know, it brings up all these like classic sci-fi ideas of suppressing humanity and just being part of the the greater machine of the of the life force or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean the the temptation to not have anything you know bad or happen to anybody is great, but like it, the sacrifice of like the the other end of that of having anything great happen to you is also bad you know so um the idea of these two people who are divorced and have like found love again are not or you know you think you'd you'd be kind of tempted by that you know almost like especially after going through a divorce and it, it sounds like our lead actor in the beginning is a bit curmudgeoning until he meets up with um is it betty no. Becky. Becky? I've only Becky. said it, you know, 20 times in this review. <laughs> I don't know why I doubted it, yeah. Becky. <laughs> Becky's a really normal name. <laughs> yeah, it's a very California name. I love it. Um, So, like, but but even before that, like, you know, he was kind of masking his, uh, like, his curmudgeoniness about things with, with jokes and stuff like that. But, like, he's, the idea that he, someone like that would fall prey to the idea of just not having any emotions anymore uh, i think would be more tempting but the fact that he's got this this love this this passion for this woman again that he, he just can't conform to that so i think it's actually a really nice parallel not, to all the other stuff that's happening but like a like a nice love story i think that's a really interesting point you bring up actually is that these are two characters like the, the it's, it's cool that they're both divorced because it's unique for this time period but it actually kind of fits into this theme of like yeah these are characters that have been through a lot of pain because they've went through divorces but even but they've found something again they've found that that will to live again not that they look depressed mm-hmm. before but they're, they seem happy that they, they they're they've basically went through this thing where they've felt this pain and then found happiness again so they know that you, sometimes you have to have the pain to get the happiness but they're still not tempted by this potential just sterile existence where they don't feel anything um if anything it makes it more because it's one thing like because i see you were doing this with teenagers right and it was like two teenagers who had never been in love before and they feel they're madly in love like of course they wouldn't be tempted because they're they've never felt the bad side of it yet yeah <laughs> like so it, it means more that these two more mature characters who are not that old but they're old enough that they've been divorced mm-hmm. um feel differently they, they still feel that they're wanting to fight for you know their their personalities and their individual individualities so uh like yeah that, I, I think it's a really interesting choice of character whether the movie made that choice or the book made that choice i have no idea because obviously the characters in the the remake from the 70s or the 2007 version that i've also seen like they're all very different like none of them have the same set of characters they all have very different you know ensembles of types of character so i'm not sure which ones fit the book more or which ones are like just movie creations but uh, given this was first i just yeah yeah can i make a complaint about the 70s version before we talk about it real quick and it's not anything to do with the movie it is about like top 10 list 
or like clip shows for the 70s film, they always use the last freaking scene of the movie. <laughs> yeah, don't say what it is. When they don't talk about it. it. I'm not going to say what it is yeah, because okay. that would be going against my principles. But although we yeah, are spoilers. Not for every movie. We're in spoilers for just this movie. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of like the uh, Statue of Liberty. Uh, from another movie that I wouldn't say what <laughs> I wouldn't say what it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why they they do that. Like so many, like every single time someone says, "Oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers" with Donald Sutherland, they always show the same freaking clip. And I'm like, why would you use that one? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the same with these other movies where they all like for, because the famous scenes from the ending, they always use the ending of certain movies to to show it, and it's it's frustrating. Yeah, Plat the Apes is one. Um, I feel like. Maybe not so much Eclipse, but, you know, people always, like, just talk about the end in the sixth sense. And I'm like, you know what? You don't have to be a dick and spoil it. Like, sure, if you're writing an article or making a video about the sixth sense, people who have not seen it can opt out of actually reading or watching the thing. But when you just throw it into the middle of, like, a list, and you're like, oh, yeah, they had the sixth sense, when blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, what? You just ruined that for someone, <laughs> probably. Because you just threw it in with no warning. So we are actually having some technical difficulties with a big delay. So if this uh, sounds a bit stilted as we get towards the end, apologies. But uh, we're going to try and muscle. We don't want to have to delay and record like, the last chunk of the episode like days later and delay the episode. So uh, we're going to try and stick with it and just see how we get on. But uh, so yeah, so yeah, they're hiding out in his office. You know, they've tried to get away. They've tried to use a payphone. Uh, at one point, like the car mechanic, like snuck a pod into their car and they, they take it out and burn it. <laughs> like it, 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 it just stops the car, gets out and pulls out the pods and like gets a flare and is like, I'm burning this shit. It just sets it alight. Uh, so, um, but then you've got all the stuff where they've been held captive in his doctor's office and they're just waiting for them to fall asleep so that the the transfer will happen. He gives them like uh, uh, to... like pills or something to keep. I guess like caffeine pills or something to keep them awake. Which I would th I would think you'd want to hold on to those to like the very last minute you need them because mm. caffeine will come with a crash. Yeah, uh, and she definitely crashes. Uh, oh yeah, uh, as they're going up the hills in a minute because she she starts like just being carried because she can't like continue anymore. Um, and he's doing all right. Yeah, you know, to be fair, like she does have a couple of good, like sort of progressive moments where he's like, okay, there's three of them and one of me, so I'm going to have to use this blade and maybe inject one of them with this thing that I've just got out of a, you know, the fridge. And she's like, no, no, it's not three against two or three against one. It's three against two. And she grabs like a scalpel and is like, I'm going to help you. And mm -hmm. she does. I mean, she ends up only helping a little bit, but it's, it's at least enough. It's like, no, I'm not just going to be a Something. damsel. You know, give, give mm -hmm. me, give me a weapon. I'll get involved. Uh. But it does end up her being like, you know, have to, having to be carried because she can't stay awake any longer. Um, so weak. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I've never, like, obviously you feel tired when you're out and about and walking and stuff. But I feel like if I'm on my feet and going up a hill, I won't just start to like, I mean, maybe eventually you'd start to collapse. But like. Well, when you've been up for a long time and you probably have had a lot of adrenaline rushes mm. because you're fighting for your life. And that hill was really steep. And, I mean, they had stairs for a little bit. And stairs like that are definitely going to wear you out. But then mm, also they have to true. go through the woods where they have to, like, you know, navigate boulders and stuff so they don't fall off. So I think it would be pretty draining. You know? It probably would be. I'm just, I guess I've just never been in a position where I'm ready to collapse like that. And I... Admittedly, self-inflicted, but I have had some, 
you know, long awake sessions in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, in the in Navy boot camp, the last two days of like tests are called battle stations, where you go into like a simulated thing, and they keep you mm. up for forty eight hours, and they make you do a bunch of physical tests while oh. sleep deprived, and it is pretty grueling. And then you know when you actually are able to hit your bunk after everything, <laughs> like yeah, the crash hits you and it hits hard and i've had a couple of like other things where i've just been like i have to pull an all-nighter or whatever and yeah you don't know like when you get super tired your body like finds little moments to rest the mm. the boot camp one is the only one where i had to do a lot of physical activity uh, while being sleep deprived though so that's the only thing i had to like really compare it to but like yeah it, it's strange your body goes into like this weird um second wind you know and uh, but it's like a an adrenaline rush so you feel like oh like i, I don't even need sleep i'm great but then <laughs> the opposite happens you know the crash happens yeah the adrenaline if you've got something to do to focus on especially something that's a little bit intense like you're you're, you're concerned about it like you know, i'm thinking like back in like my school days when i'd have an exam and i wouldn't get much sleep like but when you're in, actually in the exam it didn't feel that bad because it's like oh no it's adrenaline because you're like in the moment and it's like tense <laughs> and whatever but then you get home after the exam and it's like oh no now i need to die <laughs> now, now it's now it's time to, to crash uh, yeah so but yeah so we have this whole thing where they hide and uh whatever but they they leave pods in the cave because they know they must be hiding in there because they see her like sweater like on the way in so when he goes to check something he leaves her alone for like a minute and he comes back and this is where the switch has happened and he goes to kiss her um and he he stops mid kiss and there's a great shot here uh again there's a lot of good little moments of cinematography in this that we've kind of glossed over because we've been kind of firing through the plot kind of a little bit all over the place but there's a close-up of her face after he's looked down and realized that it's not her where she looks genuinely creepy and it's just this close-up of her face looking up at him and it's like kind of hypnotic in a creepy way and it's just it, it i don't know it hits quite hard i think yeah it kind of starts off a bit like a blurred image that that gets really clear and focused and you can see like her eyes are kind of dead like she has no passion behind them anymore it's it's good stuff and it's because the whole movie's been about like not about their love story i would say but because they've been at the center of all of it and like their flirting's been there and like they've been concerned about each other over the last day when it's been really intense and they've actually feared their lives this feels like a big deal it hits quite hard and then of course you know the movie all on the, the bookend which we'll get to kind of separately but the real end of the movie is him running into the highway and just yelling he's trying to like you know grab people he sees some pods in a truck like oh they're already spreading throughout the country and he just starts yelling they're coming for you you're next and he, he practically yells it straight into the camera and it does feel like because i you know even though i'd watched that maybe five six years ago i'd forgotten the bookend stuff so i really was kind of expecting it to just cut to the end when he yeah. yelled that and i thought oh that's your ending that's your creepy they're coming after everyone ending that's a great driving because now like, your date has to spend the night because she'll be too scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's too scared. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, my house is closer than Medby. So uh, <laughs> that's a Babylon that's 5 reference. Of, that's the point of, uh, of the drive-in, right? Is, to, is for hookups. That's the point of horror let's movies. A, let's go see a, a monster movie. Yeah. Uh, but 
obviously we do like the one thing i don't like about the movie because even the one at the start doesn't bother me that much the, the one that bothers me is the last bookend uh yeah. because it gives it like a kind of happy ending where there's like a little bit at the end where they just like they don't believe him they think he's crazy but then this guy comes in who's been injured in a, a truck accident and the guy mentions oh yeah there was these things in the back of the truck there were like these pods and everyone looks at him like wait a minute seed pod <laughs> and immediately they go off running yelling we have to call, call the cia call the fbi call all these people i don't even know if the cia existed yet but <laughs> call all these people uh and it, the movie ends with like the doctor just like sort of sighing in relief like okay everyone knows and they're going to like stop it like there you are the the government's going to do something about it and it feels like a really tacked on happy ending that doesn't feel like it was supposed to be there originally absolutely not yeah, yeah i i would love to see this movie without those because <laughs> i think the movie works great without them <laughs> to, to be honest i don't think it affects it that much though i i, I know it can in a way it does because it does say that the ending is going to you know at the end it's saying everything's going to be okay because they know about it but i feel like it's really easy to just ignore this little bit because it doesn't really upset guess, how yeah. good the rest of the movie is the uh the actual like seeing the pods being grown in the farm and the fields and stuff and then seeing them being loaded up on trucks and like knowing that a whole town is already affected and everything's you know more towns at least another place is going to be affected because they've been sending trucks out now and the truck that you see like says los angeles san diego portland on it so like you know it's going to at least those big metropolitan places <laughs> so like uh I don't know like I, I i just i like the dour ending more <laughs> it makes, i think it makes more sense for, for for this movie it's also like how how is the government going to keep up with that like it's already spread so much you know it seems impossible yeah but the end of the movie the tone is very much oh no they've got it covered it's fine yeah don't worry about it you can sleep tonight <laughs> it definitely it definitely feels like a studio note it feels like we can't end this movie on the like everyone's screwed kind of ending where he's yelling you know and even if you don't read it that way even if you don't read it as like oh no the world's going to be infected and it's going to spread everywhere if you just read it as he looks like a crazy person now that no one will ever listen to that also kind of works in kind of like a more subtle way of like oh if you actually see the world for what it really is and try and tell people most of the world's going to ignore you because it's too inconvenient to listen to you and do something they're about it. they're already their own type of pod person hive minded and I, mean, I wasn't going with that I, I was going with more of a you know like like it's easy to say we have to do this to fix the world but how many people will actually listen to you and actually you know be proactive in doing something you know look at i know climate change look at whatever like take, take your pick um like you, you could read it kind of maybe a little bit like that i know that yeah. i'm saying it's going for that necessarily but just like yeah there's a few more ways you could take that uh but like yeah I don't think the little tacked on ending really hurts it that much. I think, especially since when I watch it, like I very separate it in my head where I'm like, oh, this is the little thing the studio wanted to be added on. The real ending was him yelling in the highway. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how it feels when I watch it. And maybe people don't agree with that, but <laughs> it works. Uh, but it's, a, it's an excellent movie. And it's, it's, you know, it's a testament that most people, you know, to the next version, the 78 version, you know, most people will say they prefer that version. And I think it's a testament to how good that is because it's not because this one is... Even if I agree or disagree with that, I'm not going to spoil if I agree with that. But most people do say that. Um, it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not because this one is seen as poor. 
I don't think yeah, anyone this looks was at not this. a weak entry. No, at all. That this is a, a this is one of the best fifty science fiction movies. I'm going to say it. Like maybe the day of the Earth stood still is better. I think I would probably say that. But compared to something like other stuff we've done on the show, like uh, we've done them, um, we haven't done a lot of fifty oh, yeah, sci-fi. This, this one feels way more competent and like I, I don't know. It's just a it's a better story than that for sure. But than just a generic monster movie, it's better than the Blob. Uh, the 50s one for sure yeah yeah not the 80s one <laughs> yeah, we love the 80s one <laughs> a man gets folded in half backwards and sucked down a drain like that's it's never gonna be that <laughs> <laughs> no i i think uh like th- th- i think this is I'd have to like check all the fifty sci-fi that I've seen. That, you know, never mind the ones that we've done on the show. Yeah, I definitely would but, put the day there still as number one fifty sci-fi. But, but that's, I, think I think this one. You're right. I, it's probably number two. This is probably second. Like I, I can't. I, I'm just. I'm going to. Uh, where is it? Movies by decade. I'm. I'm going to our playlists here because I've got. I've got a seventies decade <laughs> playlist. And I just want it's Or not seventies. Sorry. A, a pre seventies. Pre seventies. Okay. Yeah. Well, we the, um we haven't done enough that I felt like it was worth worth doing a 60s playlist, a 50s playlist, a 40s playlist. <laughs> so it's just everything before the 70s uh, yeah. in one list. I don't know how I feel about the, the 70s version, because that is the one that I think I remember more than this one going into it. Mm-hmm. And I do remember that one being scary and like when I watched oh, it. Yeah, this, uh, another one we've did was War of the Worlds. This is better than that, I think. I think so too. I, I I generally think this is a great movie. I, I think mm-hmm. it's a great movie. There's a little tacked on ending that's not you know whatever, but I, I think the the subtext, intentional or not, really enriches it. And I think the direction is yeah. really strong. I think the two lead characters are fun to watch and have a good chemistry. It, it, don't know, it's still a little old school in places. Like some of the flirtations do feel of an older time don't you know it doesn't feel like a modern couple I mean, she's always dressed for like the met gala yeah, yeah. <laughs> in every single scene and he's... you wear that to the doctor okay well she was meeting up with an old boyfriend so maybe that's why she looks so good the whole time but, but even you know, every man's always wearing a suit that's a very of the time yeah she's got thing. these like big old diamonds hanging off her ears <laughs> <all these. laughs> so yeah but, uh, which is all just to say that I think this movie's great. I, I think it holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some, maybe some logic holes you can nitpick at if you if you want to, but for the most part, the the, the escalation is paced very well. The tension's paced very well. Uh, strong moments of direction. Yeah, all that stuff. It's all good. Uh, I have very little to like say say bad about it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, except for the obvious, which doesn't seem like it was the fault of the movie, you know, (laughs) like the director didn't seem like he wanted that, those bookends to be there. And who knows, maybe it would have, maybe audiences would have wanted that to be there either. Like a 50s audience, who knows? Yeah, it's entirely possible, you know, we, we, you know, ultimately when we do old movies and so, you know, sometimes we'll get a comment from someone who's clearly twice our age, right? And I'm not, (laughs) I'm not saying this to be mean to them. But they get a little snooty about, oh, you're not putting yourself in the time that it came out or whatever. But I'm of the belief that a good movie will work no matter what perspective you're coming at it from, right? A good movie I mean, will stand the test of time. Our first one was The Day the Earth Stood Still, a 50 sci-fi movie that I rated a 10 because I thought, I mean, it was just a really well done, if not perfect film for that time that still works today. And it's not just because it works today uh, that, it, you know, you would rate it that. 
it was just like no this is a masterpiece like i really believe that yeah but it's, sometimes you know they'll they'll say ah oh, you don't like this thing and that's just because you're young and you're not from that time and, and I, you want I action movies you don't want things to be slow we get that one a lot like yeah. you don't like slow movies or whatever you, you just want marvel no. movies which <laughs> you know couldn't be the furthest thing from my taste right now <laughs> i am so bored of modern mainstream like you know superhero movies it's like unfathomable to me that someone could say that to me but it's obviously it's people who only watch that one review and never hear my opinions on anything else and that's fine whatever but like i feel like that comes up and i'm like no like when i when you come into a movie that we critique for being whatever from the 50s or 60s like i would point them to day the earth i'd point them to this review and say no this is when it works this is when it still functions and we have very little to complain about and it's hitting what it's aiming for very well it's ahead of its time in some ways sure but mm-hmm. i think you know arguably in a lot of ways a lot of good movies are ahead of their time that's just not well, even the part that I, I wouldn't say complained about, but I was confused about, like, how the pod, you know, thing works, and, like, I, you know, the the way you brought it up, like, it was probably just a budget constraint, or, like, a constraint of what how much they were allowed to show of this spooky thing that we didn't get to see that part. I'm like, okay, well, I, I can't hold that against the movie, you know? Yeah. Like, they did the best with what they could and it was an effectively creepy scene and i mean i I don't even i mean i suggested those things honestly i don't think any of those things are even the big reason i think the reason why that scene plays the way it does is because they wanted the moment where he thinks it's still her and then realizes no it's not she's already switched (laughs) and it's just so quick that you know you you thought oh that's so quick that that this has worked differently than the previous times and i don't think it is i think it's just they wanted that moment so bad that they didn't care Mm -hmm. we're just going to do it but it was creepy. It was creepy. It was effective, and that's what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, and I'm willing to look past it, especially for my rating. <laughs> Which I guess we're at, so go on then, what you rate. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love this. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 9, which seems pretty high, but, like, honestly, I it's it's great. Like, I, I think the, the subtext, like you say, whether intentional or not, is elevates this movie um, to some of the, the best of the 50s at least as far as sci-fi is concerned and um i i just i appreciate the love story and the the connection between the two leads i think is just super great and i yeah uh, the story is creepy it's well directed and it's a great movie i i feel like if i was the, you know behind this movie and everyone was reading into it and saying oh this is why it stands out amongst the 50 sci-fi because this and day the earth stood still have all this great subtext I would keep my mouth shut about it not being intentional if that was the case. I'd be like, yes, yes, I'm a, yes, this is all, this is all. You and like, Tommy Wiseau. It, yeah, yeah, Tommy Wiseau. It. But in, in this case, it would, it would probably come off quite believable. It, like, yeah, you'd get the adoration you, you're deserving of. <laughs> yes, not deserving I'm, a, of. I'm a brilliant director slash writer. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, when, you know, me and David on Collector's Cut uh, are non-sci-fi, non-horror podcast where we do franchises and like themes of movies go check out the collector's cut but our first ever episode was dirty harry and i didn't even realize this was the same director as i was watching i probably i probably did check the director when we did that and saw invasion of the body snatchers but i've since forgotten and then looked it up again for this but like that movie as well is full of like subtext of its era like it's made that, that movie was 1971 and Dirty Harry's this relic in a world that's changing. You know, this world that's changing into a more modern society. 
and he's this like old school cop from the time before before political correctness and you know there's like a there's, there's very subtext but there's a kind of a thing in here like his reaction to anything that's sexual that's not traditional is kind of like disgust like and not just like stuff like uh you know like gay people and things like that but even just like seeing people who are more free or more like you know multi-partners or into kinky stuff yeah mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. he reacts with this level of disgust and it's kind of like it's meant to be this examination of this character who's a relic of an old time but he can still do some good or whatever in this new world and how he's fitting into that new world there's a lot like me and david had such a great conversation of that first dirty harry movie because it's so layered with commentary of its time it's good um, to get someone like clint eastwood too someone who you know your dad yeah watched on screen as the hero and the the archetypal character as a hero all the time in the westerns it's so funny though that he he felt like the old school guy of a a previous time in 1971 and here we are in 2023 and he's still kicking around making movies as the gruff guy still making oscar bait movies (laughs) though like i don't like his new movies no i don't do i anymore uh it's i mean it's been a while since i've cared about his movies but yes you know he's still doing it so. if, if there's a movie that looks kind of good and it says directed by clint eastwood i'm like oh that's too bad <laughs> <laughs> although um, i'm a little bit curious about the mule i don't think that he directed that one but <laughs> yeah he was just done that i think it seemed like such a crazy concept that maybe i would watch that anywho so uh yeah my rating so i, I i'm not going to go quite as high as a nine i have i've been very praising of the film i think i'm going to 8.5 um which reflects because i i gave the earth still i think a nine as well uh where you give it a 10 so just to compare it to that in terms of like step down like, you can change your rating for the day the earth still i'm good whenever you want <laughs> i don't feel i need to i'm just I'm saying my logic tracks with my previous ratings. Give it a 9.5. <laughs> I mean, even if movies are rated the same, you could still have a preference from when you like more. That That is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, you know, I, I think the tacton ending and bookend start, you know, gives it a little Yeah, if that, weren't, if that weren't there, it might even be higher for me. But yeah. so, alas. I'm going to say 8.5. It's very good. But no, I'm saying that in the context of, like, I think 50 sci-fi has a couple of great examples, and there's a lot of it that's quite fun. But I, I would say in general, as far as my, like, ratings and critique of it goes, I hold sci-fi from later decades to, a, like, at a higher standard. Like, I, I think they're of a better, you know, average quality. Well, I mean, the next decade we get a lot of 10s, so. Or at least two. The 60s? Mm-hmm. I didn't die. The ones you're thinking of, though, are both right at the end of the 60s, though. Yeah, but they're great. Because I, I wouldn't consider the 60s, like, a great decade for sci-fi. I would say they almost, like, calmed down a bit, and then right at the end is where it started to, like, ramp up again <laughs> into the 70s. Planet of the Apes. In 2001. 2001. I know what you're... I know what, and I agree one of them is a 10. 2001 is a 10. I'm not going to argue with that. You're a fool. You're a fool. <laughs> uh, plus, you know, hey, uh, coming soon on Top 10 Project is going to be my Top 10 in 1999. And what movie do I always get moaned at from Tara for rating a 9.5? Uh, we'll see where the Matrix places on the Top 10 Unbelievable. Project. Unbelievable. <laughs> Matrix is a masterpiece. I, I, I kind of agree with that, but I, I don't necessarily think masterpiece equals a 10. <laughs> literally what the rating means <laughs> there's, there's no book that says a, a masterpiece is a 10 or a 10 IGN a masterpiece. says that 
IGN is not some gospel that should be adhered. The IGN say lots of stupid things too. <laughs> I think they also gave Joker a 10. <laughs> exactly. Ignore everything they have said about anything ever, okay? Oh, okay, we don't need to get into your butthurtness about IGN's video game rating system. <laughs> well, no, I'm complaining about the Joker rating, which is not a video game. I know, but they mostly rate video games. That's that's true. But Joker... For, like, big movies, I guess they also rate. The, the Joker's one of those things where I'm like, wait, is the decimal point in the wrong place? <laughs> <laughs> not that I would give it a one. I think that's too harsh. But, you know. No, it's like a five at but... max. But I would, I would, I would understand the one more than a ten. That's all I'm saying. It a would make more sense agree. to me. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, yeah. So nine and eight point five, really strong. And obviously, in between these Transformers sequels, this is exactly the sort of thing that I think we both wanted in yeah, our lives. Yeah. What's coming up next time? Well, funny enough, we have Transformers: The Last Night. Gross. Starring Anthony Hopkins, who was probably alive uh, when this came out. I imagine he's an old man <laughs> so we'll, we're going to be doing the fifth transformers movie and then two weeks after that we'll be doing the new one that comes out uh and then we'll never have to watch them again yeah not those ones new ones potentially but not not those ones <laughs> nobody buy tickets for this new movie <laughs> Well, apparently it's, it's not tracking very well, but they've already made an animated one for next year, so there's at least one more that we'll have to do. I mean, when I bought my ticket for... Because the pre-orders came out for the ticket, and I thought, well, I know we have to do it for the show, so let me get a good seat at least. Um, I was the only one who had purchased the ticket, so the theater was empty other than my ticket. The ship <laughs> may have sailed on Transformania. <laughs> well, the last one was about a little girl. So nobody wanted to watch that. Where's all the military? <laughs> I think John Cena was the military dude in that one. <laughs> he was hilarious in that one, actually. Yeah. I'm not promising anything. I might rewatch Bumblebee before the new one, just because I barely remember it. And all the other ones are fresh in my head, just for comparison's sake, so. And it was just better. Just rewatch our uh, review. That's what I would suggest to all of you out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I hate watching our old content. Oh. Um. I don't. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I said stupid things. Why have I, why have I said all this? Oh, I'm awful. <laughs> it's on the internet forever. <laughs> by your choice. <laughs> anyway, that is the show. That is our thoughts on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Let us know what you think of this original film. And yes, we do plan on doing all the other versions down the line. Not too soon, uh, but we'll probably do the 78 version sometime later this year, uh, I imagine. Uh, maybe we'll do like a remake season and do... <laughs> There's a, there's a 90s one also, right? There's, then... a, there's a 90s one that I've never seen, and then there's the 2007 one with Nicole Kidman that's called The Invasion. And Daniel Craig's in that one, too. Yeah. And there may be another one as well, but those are the ones that I know off the top of my head. Yeah, the, the 90s one, I remember the poster because it kind of looked like Showgirls. <laughs> yeah, I've, ne I've never even seen anything from the 90s one. I don't know anything about it, but I, know, look, I know it the, exists. The poster looked like the Showgirls poster, but like spooky <laughs> mm. oh i can't wait i mean obviously we'll do uh any sci-fi so we'll do hollow man at some point probably because we've done the invisible man movies and we like doing verhoeven sci-fi movies but i'm looking forward to a verhoeven season on collector's cut so i can do a bunch of these non-sci-fi movies that i've not seen mm, yeah 
I want to watch the horny lesbian nun movie that he did. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Does that look the, great? Uh, was it Black Book? Black Book no, was... That's a good one. Yeah, I've not seen that. That was actually... That's like 15 years old now. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I don't want to yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's got a new one coming out, I think. So I'm... Yeah. Uh, which we, we got to that because I was talking about what was coming up soon. And I thought of Verhoeven. But anyway. No, it's because you said Showgirls. That's what made me think about it. Alright, well, that is the uh, that is the show. Uh, Transformers 5 next time, so look forward to that. Uh, tell us what you thought of Envision the Body Snatchers in the comments. You can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, support the content, of course. Yeah, I, I need a Patreon plug. Patreon.com slash TV. You get a bonus episode every month. Uh, last time was Species 3. We're about to do the first ever Gamera movie. We're about 50 bonus episodes now on Patreon. Plus, at the $5 tier, you get access to uh, Ace Meltdown, which is a monthly show where me and Tara just talk about the different movies we watch. Um, and Tara just hit the desk with her cat. No, with my brain. <laughs> ah, well. No serious damage done there, then. No. <laughs> but yeah, so go check out Patreon. And plus, there's bonus episodes of Collector's Cut, Screams After Midnight, the other stuff. Uh, okay, okay. Please, please do go and uh, check it out. But that is the show. That has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa. <laughs>